The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's go to verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to read. I'm sorry, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would instruct us today and help us, edify us, that we might live our lives to your glory and and might glorify you in all things. Thank you for this time now. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. For the past several lessons, we've been examining the judgment of the saints and looking at the different aspects of our lives that God will judge. We've, we've so far seen that he will judge how we control the old man living within us, how we treat the brethren, <clears throat> how we discharge our authority, the, the authorities given us by God, and how we, last time we looked at how we use our talents. Now, from our reading this morning, I think you already know the subject matter of today. Uh, We're going to look at the next area of our life to be examined, and that is how we spend our time. How we spend our time. Um, In Ephesians chapter 5, in verses 15 and 16, Paul states, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now, time is defined as a space or measured portion of duration. So I think we all understand what we're talking about when we talk about time. Uh, it's, it's a measure of duration. It's, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a time attached to the moment we were born, and, and that is called our age, um, There's a time attached to the time you punch in at work and punch out, and that is called your wage. And so we all understand the concept of time, and time plays a a part in all of our lives. So we understand that. Uh, Time is generally identified in two ways, either absolute or relative. Now, I I didn't put that on your study sheets, but that's that's something you need to understand. Time is measured in two ways, absolute time and relative time. 
uh, Einstein based a theory called the, uh, th- the theory of relativity. And he, it's all about time and how time is relative to the situations and what's going on. But there is such a thing as absolute time. Absolute time is time that is considered without any relationship to human control or human effect. Absolute time would be from the time the sun rises to the time it sets. Uh, our solar day, the earth's rotation around the sun. These are, these are absolute times. We can't affect those times. We can't do anything to alter those times. They take place and, and they're beyond our control and beyond our ability to affect. So absolute time is not what we really are talking about when we consider our Christian life. What we're talking about, what we're considering is relative time. Now, relative time is the sensible measure of any portion of duration by means of motion or by circumstantial actions. Uh, so, so relative time is the time that we spend, which is governed, and, or, or not governed, but which includes our actions, our, our behaviors, the things that we do. So the relative time is the time that God is going to uh, examine at, a, at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, in the scriptures that we read from Ecclesiastes, Solomon gives us examples of relative time. Um, we, we read it a moment ago. He said there's a time to plant and a time to reap, a time to be born and a time to die, and all these different things he gave us. These are relative times. Uh, So given this, it is apparent that the vast majority of our lives are subject to relative time. And this is the implication of Paul in the scripture we read earlier when he said, See then that ye walk circumspectly. Now that word circumspectly means carefully. It means giving careful and close consideration to. So in other words, what Paul says is we're to live our lives responsibly. We're to live our lives carefully, paying attention to everything we do. Um, And then he also stated redeeming the time. Uh, Redeeming the time. What does this mean? Well, to redeem means to buy back. Now, you seem to all be a pretty aged group. This morning, I want to call us all old, but we seem to be fairly well aged. How many of you remember green stamps? Huh? Yeah, green stamps. Remember green stamps? You go to the grocery store and they, they tally up your score and, and, and you see these green stamps spitting out of the machine. I used to love green stamps. I mean, when I was a little boy, we'd go to the grocery store and mama would let me collect the green stamps. And boy, I'd stand there and I'd watch those green stamps coming out. It's kind of like my grandson's watching the, the skee-ball ticket thing. At, at, uh, I'm really good at skee-ball, by the way. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the greatest skee-baller in the world. And Corey and Noah will stand there and watch those tickets spitting out. You know, that's how I used to be with the green stamps. And what did you do with those? Well, we took those home, and Mama had books. And we'd wet those green stamps, and we'd stick them, and we'd fill those pages in those books. And we, we, we stored those books away like they were gold. And we'd keep those things and we'd store up those books. And they, they had a, it was an S&H green stamp catalog. And you could look through that catalog and it would tell you how many green stamps you need, how many books you needed 
to get a particular item. And I remember when I was a young boy, I, w- I was playing Little League Baseball, and I wanted a, I wanted a first base mitt because I played first base. And there was one in that book, and we saved those green stamps, and we got those stamps, and we ran down there, and I got my, my mitt. Well, this is kind of what Paul is talking about when he says redeeming the time. Paul is teaching us that we exchange the relative time that God has given to us for different things in our daily life. God has given you an allotted amount of time. And what Paul is saying when he says redeem the time, he's saying, what he's saying is is we have to buy back that time and make sure that we are using it wisely. That's why he said that we are to walk circumspectly. Have you ever wasted time? Have you, ever, have you ever been involved in something and you suddenly stop and realize, you know what, I've just wasted a lot of time on this thing. And so, throughout our lives, we're going to do things that waste time. And we have to be careful with that. God is going to audit the time that we were given. He's going to take a look at how much time he gave you, and he's going to take a look at what you did with that time. And how we allot that time is important. So given this, I want to consider some of the things we can do with the time that God has given us. Some of the things as believers we should do with the time that God has given us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man. But the Spirit of God in him. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we know. What Paul is saying here is we know the things we ought to be doing because the Spirit of God, which dwells within us, teaches us, instructs us, leads us, guides us to do those things that we should do. Now, in the very next verse, in verse 14, Paul explains that the natural man cannot understand spiritual things, and we know this. I know that before I was saved, I, did, I could read the Bible, I could hear teaching, I didn't understand it. I heard the words and I had an idea of what it meant, but I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know. Because natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. They must be revealed to us by the Spirit of God. However, we that are of the elect of God do understand the hidden things of God, for they are revealed to us by the Spirit. So then, we must use our time in pursuit of wise things. What should, what should we invest our time in? Well, let me give you some thoughts. You may have other thoughts, and they may be just as good as these, but it's my class, so I get to give you my thoughts. Number one, what should we invest our time in? Prayer. Number one is prayer. Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16, 
we read, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a great privilege this morning. We have the privilege, as a child of God, to have the ear of God. I mean, think about it for a moment. I'm sure there are countless millions of of believers around this world. And every time a believer opens his mouth to commune with God, God hears it. And he can hear us all at the same time. That's, that's an incredible, incredible uh, reality. But the truth is, we have access to God. Not by virtue of our own merit, not by virtue of, of our importance, but because we are his child, we have the ear of God. We have access to him at all times. Now, albeit that our approaching to God must be with reverence, and in holiness, and we must ensure that we are um, cleansed of, 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 of known sin in our life, and, and we must approach God cautiously. We, we can't, we can't I, I, sometimes my skin crawls when I hear people referring to God as the old man upstairs, or, or the big man. Or, I, I say to myself, do you have any fear of God at all? Do you have, do you have any idea what you're doing and saying. So we, of course, have to approach him with reverence, but we do have access to God. So we're to pray. Well, I have a few thoughts there. When are we to pray? Well, we're to pray always. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 states, Pray without ceasing. We're to pray always, at all times. Now, I realize you work, you have responsibilities, you have things that you have to do, so you can't constantly pray, but we can always be in a spirit of prayer. We can always be in an attitude of prayer with God. Sometimes I'll drive down, I'm driving down the highway and, and, I, and I'm praying. Not with my eyes closed, thankfully. But I'm praying and I'm communing with the Father in my heart, sometimes with my mouth and people drive by and look at me funny. But we're to always be praying. I, I find myself often at work, at my desk, thinking about the Lord and, 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 and communing with him. You see, we're to, be, we're to always be in the spirit of prayer. To the believer, there shouldn't be a moment passes in our life where we, we do not, we are not aware of God's presence and aware of our communication with Him. We're to pray always. There's never a wrong time to pray. And there's never too little time to pray. You know, there's, there's people around this country who, who say you're not right with God if you don't pray for an hour a day. 
Well, I'm sorry. I know Jesus said, can you not watch one hour with me? But he wasn't saying that's the definitive time. That's the absolute time for prayer is one hour. That's not what he's saying. He's, he was telling the disciples, can't you put aside your own feelings and your own um, priorities for one moment and, and just spend some time in prayer? No, sir, we don't take questions. Sorry. But there's, there's, there's never too little time to pray. We, we pray... You know, there's times when I can pray an hour, there's times when I pray ten minutes, and, and I just don't feel like I can go any further. So, we, but we are to pray always. We're to always be in the spirit of prayer. Secondly, where? Where should we pray? Well, everywhere. Everywhere. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. We're to pray everywhere. At the, at the grocery store, if necessary, uh, at, at, the, at the bank, wherever we are, when we have a need to pray, we, we should pray. All right, I'm gathering my thoughts here for a second. We're to pray everywhere. Um. Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, he stated, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm repeating myself. Prayer is communing with God. We can talk to the Lord every minute of every day and in every place. You see, I think we have a wrong concept of prayer. I think, we, I think we've, we've, been, we've been taught to believe that prayer is this, is this ritual. Prayer is not a ritual. Prayer is communing. It's communing with the proper reverence. It's communing with the proper respect. But we can pray everywhere because we're in constant communication with the Father, aren't we? We are constantly in connection with God. And, you know, if I, was gonna, if I wanted to commune with my dad, I didn't light a bunch of candles and get on my knees and crawl in front of him and say, Oh, holy daddy. I didn't do that. I just walked in and said, Hey, Dad, can I talk to you for a moment? And he'd say, Sure, son. What do you need? And, and that's how we, basically, that's what prayer really is. I, I think we need to understand it. Now, again, don't, don't, get me, don't misquote me. I don't think we can flippantly come before God and just act like, Hey, buddy, how you doing? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I have a father-son relationship. And I can, I can speak to my heavenly father much with the same reverence I speak to my earthly father. So we need to understand that. Therefore, there's not a, a right place to pray. We've had people come off the street in times past and say, can we come in and pray? Well, sure, if you want to come in and pray, but Praying here isn't any different than praying outside. It's not going to make a difference where you pray. What makes the difference is the qualifications that you meet for prayer. So, we pray everywhere. Uh, And why to pray? Thirdly, why to pray? To make a difference. To make a difference. That's why we pray. Certainly, when we come to God in prayer, we we offer praise and adoration and worship, yes. But why are we praying? Can anyone tell me? Why do you pray? To honor God. 
But I guarantee you've got a more baser meaning for prayer than that. It's because you need something, right? Or, or someone needs something. And, and we pray to make a difference. In James chapter 5, listen to what James writes. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. <clears throat> Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. Now listen to what he says in, in verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Your prayers make a difference. They make a difference in your life. They make a difference in the life of others. They make a difference in the work of the church. Our prayers make a difference. I mean, we'd all love to be able to stand up and say, we pray to honor God. But that's, you don't pray 1% of the time to honor God. Okay, let's just, let's just be realistic here. We pray for each other. We pray for ourselves. We pray for needs. And our prayers make a difference. That's why we pray. When we get a prayer request, we pray for that person. We pray that God would, would, would work his will in that person's life. And our prayers make a difference. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we need to remember that. I need your prayers today. And you need my prayers as well. We should pray because our prayers make a difference in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we need them... Nothing is more coveted than our prayers. People who are in desperate need appreciate the prayers of others because they know those prayers make a difference. So that's, that's why we pray. So we should invest our time in prayer. And we should, we should put aside time in our life for the purpose of prayer. But then number two... What should we invest our time in? I want to say scripture. First, prayer. Secondly, scripture. Psalm, Psalm 1. We all, we all know Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The blessed man spends his time in the word of God, in scripture. Now how are we to, how are we to handle scripture? I mean, in respect to our relative time, what are we to, what are we to do uh, with the word of God? Well... First, we're to study. We need to study the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to study the Bible. And I don't mean just by coming to Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or, or Wednesday evening. 
those, those services should just be to whet your appetite to, to dig into the Word of God and study. We should have a daily time of reflection where we study the Word of God. Where we, we dig into its meaning. Where we use a dictionary and, 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 and look up the words we don't understand and, and pray and ask this Holy Spirit to teach you. You know you have the greatest teacher <clears throat> there is, and that is the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him, he will teach you. He will instruct you. He will give you the wisdom to understand Scripture. Second Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are commanded to study the word of God. But not only should we study Scripture, secondly, we should memorize Scripture. We should memorize it. Psalm 119, verse 11. Wherewithal shall, oh, I'm sorry, thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalmist writes, I've hidden God's word in my heart. How do you do that? Well, by memorizing it. Now, when we, we, we're not always going to be in a position in our life where we have the Bible with us. You're going to have times in your, in your life, throughout your days, where you're not going to have the Bible. And it's important that you've hidden God's word in your heart. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can, can bring those, those scriptures to your, to your memory. Okay? Can, he can call them up in your mind. And, and as the psalmist wrote, when God's word is hid in our heart, that, that hidden word at times will keep us, will help us to avoid sinning against God. Hmm? So we need to memorize Scripture. And to do that takes what? It takes time. <laughs> it takes time to memorize Scripture. Now, if you're someone who has an eidetic memory, then you can read something two or three times and you've got it memorized for life. I don't have an eidetic memory. I, my memory is so bad, I, I, sometimes I barely remember what I had for breakfast. And this morning, come to think of it, I didn't even have breakfast, so there's nothing to remember. But we're to memorize Scripture. We're to hide it in our hearts, and that takes time. What else are we to do with the Word of God? Next, we're to obey. We're to obey. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. We're to obey the word of God. But you know, if really, honestly, if you don't study the Bible, and if you haven't memorized scripture, you're going to find it very difficult to obey because you will make decisions in your life based on your own understandings and experiences. And that oftentimes, sometimes that works out for the best, but most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time, when we make decisions in that manner, we make the wrong decisions. So we're to obey. We're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to seek God. 
and, and, and call upon his scripture for obedience. So those are the things we should, we should apply our time with the word of God on those, on those things. But then, what do we do with our time? Number three, I want to say worship. We should spend time in worship. John chapter 4, verses 22 and 24, the Lord says, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're to spend our time worshiping God. Now, if we're going to spend our time worshiping God, I think we need to understand what it means to worship God. A lot of people think their worship is, is summed up in, in coming to church on Sunday. Now certainly, coming to church on Sunday does show worship to the Father. And, and, and by the way, Sunday should be the Lord's day in our lives, and we should, we should give Sunday to, to the Lord. But worship involves more than just coming to church. Uh, what does it mean to worship God? Well, first it means to give him praise. Give him praise. Psalm 108, verses 1 through 3. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. Awake, psaltery, and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. So we praise. Now we can worship God, we can spend our time worshiping God during the day by praising God. I mean, sometimes at work people say, oh, it's a beautiful day. I say, yeah, the Lord has really blessed us today, he's given us a great day. And you'd be amazed how fast that crowd thins out. But you can praise him. Huh? When something good happens to you and people are saying, oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, praise the Lord. God has really blessed me. Give him the praise. That, that's what worshiping God is. And we can do that all the time. We can do that all the time. So it's to give him praise. Praise him for his great love. Praise him for his grace and mercy. Praise him for his kind provision and his care for us. What else does it mean to worship? Secondly, <coughs> to give him the preeminence. We give him the preeminence in our lives. Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. This means that we give God the first right in all things. We place God on the throne of our lives. Everything centers on him. You see, we shouldn't, we shouldn't live our life by, okay, here are my priorities, how can I fit God into that? That's not giving God the preeminence. What does it mean to give God the preeminence? Here's God. What do I do from there? Hmm? 
what we do, everything we do should be centered on God. The, the friends we have, the friendships we make, the, the job we have, our relationships, all these things, what we do for entertainment, all these things should start w- with God and go outward from there. Hey, if the friendships I want to make do not honor God, then I don't make those friendships. <laughs> if the job I want involves disobedience to God or dis- something dishonoring to God, then I don't take that job. Some people say, whoa, wait a minute now. We're getting kind of personal here. I'm sorry if I'm getting personal, but that's the teaching of God's word. He, is, he has the preeminence in all things. Not some things, not most things, all things. God has the preeminence. Everything we do, everything we are, must center and must start with God, the Father. Everything centers on him. So our time should be, pent, should be spent in prayer and scripture. And worship. And then fourthly, in ministry. In ministry. Some, someone might say, well, man, you know, to, to invest my time in these things would mean that I don't have any time for myself. Pardon the phrase. Bingo! You know what? You have all eternity. Ahead of you. Give God your time here on earth. Yeah, you have to work a job. I understand that. You have a family. You've got to pay attention. I understand that. But why does God have to be eliminated from those things? Shouldn't he be the center of those things? I mean, a few years back, everybody knows that, you know, I, I work a minimal wage job. I mean, my family and I are really having to pay attention to what's going on. I was offered a job at the casino. $24 an hour. I didn't even think about it for a split second. No, thank you. No, thank you. I was offered a job at Two Rock, supervising the kitchen. Great job, great benefits, great money. Super. Where do I sign? Oh, you got to work on Sunday. Oh, sorry. Take me off the list. Folks, I owe everything to God. Everything. I owe my life to God. I was a wretch, and he saved me. And I could never pay Jesus back for what he did for me. But I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying. And so should we all. God has to be the center. Ministry, number four. Second Timothy chapter four and verse five. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Paul said that we are to, to, to be invested in, in the ministry that God has given us. What is that ministry? I, I don't know. Our motto at Berean is every member a minister. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm weary of the attitude that ministry is the sole responsibility of the pastor. 
You know, the word ministry simply means to serve. That's what it means. So, we're all ministers. Every one of us. And God has given us ministries. He, he's given me a ministry to be a husband to my wife. He's given me the ministry of being a father to my children. He's given me the ministry of being a member to this church and serving in whatever way I can. People say, oh, your ministry is leading the singing. Your ministry is teaching a Sunday school class. No, my ministry is serving in the local church. If that means preaching, if it means teaching, if it means singing, if it means sweeping the floors, if it means mowing the lawn, if it means saying amen to the preacher, that's my ministry. And we are to give our time to our ministry. Husbands, husbands, give your time to your wives. Wives, give your time to your husbands. Parents, give your time to your children. Church members, give your time to your church. This is what we mean by ministry. Invest your time in these things. Sometimes my wife and I talk, and we talk about how these young parents today uh, spend so much time away from the family. You know, she and I did everything together for, since we've been married. I've never taken a vacation away from her. She's never taken a vacation away from me. We've never, we've never done things that we, where, we've never, my wife and I have never gone anywhere where we can't bring our children. Except work. <laughs> so we need to understand that what ministry is. It's, ministry doesn't mean that you get a paycheck from the church. People say, well, I'm in the ministry. Oh, what do you do? Well, I get, I get paid for, by the church. No, you get paid by the church? Well, what about everyone in the church who doesn't get paid? You mean they, they have no ministry? They have no responsibility to the church? They, they have no responsibility to God? Listen, where we get our paycheck is irrelevant. What we do with our time is the relevant thing. And we are to, to invest it in ministry. Now, I have two thoughts on ministry I want to give you. First... What is ministry? Serving. Serving. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 27. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever shall be, shall be, uh, will be chief among you, let him be your minister. Servant. Ministry is service. It's serving one another. It's serving the church. It's serving God's family in whatever way we can. And then second, ministry is helping. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law. Of Christ, ministry is helping. It's helping one another. It's 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 looking to each other, and seeing the needs that we have in in our lives, and and fulfilling those needs to each other, lifting those who are weary, helping those that need help, and not doing it because of what we might get for it, but doing it because it's our ministry to the local church, and we should spend our time in that time what are you doing with your time 
The Lord is going to examine what we did with our time. Now, there are many more things you can do with your time than, than I mentioned today, but I think these are the ones that will help us the most. So we have to stop. Uh, I don't want to go over too much. And so thank you for being here today, and have a good day. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.